We all sound good. We, we sa- Teresa. I do. I sound great. I sound perfect. I don't care what you guys say. I think you're right. She sounds the best. She always does. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Outpost, a podcast about inspired thinking. I'm Lacey, and of course, today I've got with me Mark, Teresa, and Tom. How is everybody doing today? Fantastic. That's true. Yeah, present, accounted for. All right, well, let's... Six months away, and that's what we got. (laughs) (laughs) You're already messing up my flow, too. We're here. (laughs) Present. School back in session. Teresa, I'm going to just pop it right over to you for community questions. What have people wanted to know since we recorded last? You have vindication, unsettled, and you've mentioned new projects you're working on. Does working on more than one rob from the time on the other projects? Time is finite, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's so many hours in the day, and when you do one thing, you're not doing a different thing. Everything's a opportunity cost. But I think that working on different things at once, everything informs each other, and it helps you not burn out. If you're working on one project and you find yourself hitting a wall, switch to something else for a few hours, and then your energy's back up, or you bring new thought processes back to the other thing you were working on earlier in the day. And and I find working on multiple projects at once makes me better at all of them. Yeah, there there is a discipline that's required to see something through at the final painful stage where you're preparing files and doing logistics and all of the grunt work that you don't want to do, as opposed to the exciting brainstorming and cool creation phase of new projects. And so we have to kind of fight through the discipline and finish strong. I think this is why a lot of people don't actually finish things, you know, and the reason I haven't finished things in the past is because, you know, people get really excited in the early stage and they get, they start something and then they're on to the next inspiration and they never actually finish. I think I fall under that category pretty well. I've never done anything that's big enough and takes as much investment individually as putting out the game, coming up with it, getting it through Kickstarter, getting it produced. I have not had the follow through to this point in my career to bring something like that to fruition. I think because I am easily distracted by butterflies, you know, whatever makes me feel good and excited at the time is what I want to spend my attention on. So that's so assuming that's that do. you just ignore the fact that you have a successful company with a bunch of employees, thriving <laughs> children. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's an important perspective. You're shifting I mean, back those to things me. exist. <laughs> yeah. Or Kids so you tell living. us. Yeah. So, so your Instagram implies. It's <laughs> right. a weekend at Bernie's episode of Lacey's house. There was something I saw on social media that really helped impact how I got my thesis done. And it was, if you're going to procrastinate, pick two things and only cheat on one project with the other. Mm. And so with my thesis, it's like, well, I really didn't want to do this section. And there are like two parts. And so whenever I didn't want to do one, I would just work on the other. And I was always working on it, but I was only doing one of two things. And that kind of helped me force that. That's wise. Because Mm -hmm. there is a threshold. Like Mark and I have two or three things that we're working on at once. And there's always a desire to jump to the new thing. But until we finish, you know, there was a long time there where we wanted to move on to working on other things, but we had to draw a line in the sand and say, no, we have to finish unsettled. Mm -hmm. And until Unsettled is done, 
one other thing maybe as you know as a release but other than that we need to stay on these two or three things at once Mm -hmm. i still live under the delusion that the cheesecake tastes better after you've eaten the green beans right it's the same thing i like green beans your mom you have to grind through the end of the old thing and see it through well and all of the attention to detail that that requires to have the satisfaction of a job well done before you go into the reward of the new shiny thing. But sometimes I know for you, you put the new shiny thing in a specific time slot that's already sectioned off for that new shiny thing. Sort of. So the conversations I'm having with Tom right now, like today, we spent a little time on the whiteboard talking about new shiny things, even though we're finishing strong on some old things. Mm-hmm. Smold things. Smold things. <laughs> Smoldering things. They are in fuego. <laughs> yeah. All right, Teresa, what else we got? What New Year's resolutions are we kicking around? I'll start. Yay. I pick a new word. I don't do necessarily a resolution, but I pick a word or a few words that kind of guide some of my decision making. Also, I'm very good at rationalizing any behavior I have. And so (laughs) if I pick a word at the beginning of the year, I can basically take any of my behaviors and go, yes, that was definitely from my yearly focus of this year. It's inhabit. Inhabit is the word that I've chosen as my focus for 2021. And I just moved into a new space that's all mine. And so I'm inhabiting my space a little bit more. I'd like to inhabit my body a little bit better throughout the year. I'd like to inhabit the moment that I'm in a bit better. So there are easy practices that I could put in place, exercise more, meditate more, create my home as a safe place, you know, but the word inhabit can kind of be a vague enough that I can rationalize whatever behavior I choose as being part of that focus for the year. I am going to inhabit this couch and this bucket of ice cream (laughs) (laughs) very healthily for the next hour. (laughs) See, you're limiting it to an hour, so I don't know. (laughs) That's that's my sickness. Leave it it alone. (laughs) When are you going to (laughs) commit? Am I the only one? Is anybody else doing any sort of resolutions? I guess I kind of am. They're not really conceptualized as New Year's resolutions and were more post-unsettled, post-vindication mm. Kickstarter when resolutions. When life began. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, during 2020, we worked 12 to 20-hour days basically the whole year. And it was too much. You know, So this year I'm really committed to seven hours of sleep at least a night, if I'm up late for whatever reason, then that means I'm going to sleep in a little later the next day. Like I'm just going to stick to that and more time with family, some travel. I also set myself a goal last year to submit a short story for publication, which I failed to do. And that bothers me because I never fail to do the random Ooh. things I tell myself I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, we did submit an entire game full of words Right. So, so I can like rationalize exactly. my way out of it. I, I could definitely rationalize but that for you. It bothers me. And so it has to happen now. So those are probably my two big things is just more rest, more time with family. I want to get that short story thing done. I had something else. Maybe I'll think of it and interrupt you. Okay. Mark. Oh, no, I said Mark. <laughs> I will say <laughs> Teresa. Whoa, ball has been passed. I'm looking at spinning this year, inhabiting my brain as it's meant to be. Mm. Like as opposed to forcing it to go sideways uphill and on fire, like maybe recognize my brain operates in a couple of very strategic ways and go with it. I like that kind of leaning into what you've learned about yourself instead of trying to fix and alter and change. 
Right. And it's like, if I'm doing something that's obviously not working, then maybe I need to build additional structures or supports to get where I need to go. But recognize that, you know, my brain doesn't do X, Y, or Z. And that's great. That's one thing I think I'm trying to lean into a little bit more this year too, is understanding that I've talked so much about how much I love to procrastinate. And could I just use different words and say that I structure my time very well and I get things done right before the end of a project? Like, is there anything so wrong with that? It's worked to this point. So why do I punish myself every single time? Am I, just ra- am I just rationalizing? That, that sounds you good to me. <laughs> but it works. No one's here to yell at you. So just work. Roll okay. it. This is a safe space. I'm afraid. I'm started sweating. <laughs> You're just glistening. Glistening. Spin. Spin. Okay. okay. Yeah, I don't really conceptualize New Year's as the time for resolutions. I've done that in the past. And I think it limits the brain space. I did make some personal resolutions probably back in December about like what Tom was saying, we've had a lot of conversations about sleeping more and better. For me personally, a lot more water intake and some health issues that I've been dealing with and dietary changes. And so I've been really feeling a lot better. But then, yeah, that I go to the coffee shop and I'm like, yeah, I'm drinking a lot more water right now. She's like, that's so common for people in January. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, thanks. (laughs) Tip zero. No, I'm kidding. Like how Mark and I are both like, we don't believe in common things like New Year's resolutions. <laughs> Here's our December resolutions. Exactly. <laughs> we need to do it 12 times as much as the normal person. <laughs> okay, what else have we got in there? All right, next question. What conversation have you been having in the office that you're particularly excited about? There's a lot, actually. Yeah, we're talking me. about a lot of really fun stuff now that we're past those previous projects. Things are starting to open up in front of us a little bit. What do you want to talk about? I will go there. Do it. So the conversations that we've been having have to do with what we're going to do in the future to innovate as a company. And one of those things is to broaden our offering beyond the product to the world that it represents. And so what that may look like in the future is we unveil a world that people could connect to in different ways. One of them might be a board game. One of them might be something else. It might be a book. One of them might be something that you put on your desk as opposed to here's a product. Do you want to buy it? It's much more, no, here's an interesting world. Tell us how you connect with it and then open it up from that perspective. Like how would you like to immerse in this world? Or would you like to, and where are you drawn? If we show you these different aspects of this world, which of those draws you? Yeah, the way we're thinking about it is it seems like there's a possibility that we as a culture have this sort of backwards where we say, here's a product. And then if it turns out that you like the world of that product or the idea of that product, then we try to, you know, sidestep or go backwards or come through the back door with other new related products, you know, so it's like, oh, you like that game? Well, how about this other thing related to that game or you like Star Wars, here's the Mm. the Monopoly version or whatever. And what ends up happening is, first of all, you're leading with the product, which is already a certain mentality that we kind of reject, despite being a product company. (laughs) Um, But then also it dilutes everything that comes next. You know, so if you say, here's a game, and then you try to introduce other things, there is a tendency, and I think rightly so, to sort of assume that all those things are kind of cheap tie-ins or here's a you know like yeah. cash grab on this IP or whatever. 
And it's much more interesting, at least in what we're exploring, to say, hey, here's a world, here are ideas and concepts and values and interesting things that you might connect with. And let's just talk about that for a month. And then once we've defined, like, here's this cool new place called Skyreal and here's what Skyreal is about. And here's all the different things that are interesting about Skyreal. And you can engage with it with us online and these whatever things we've put together. And then also, if you are really into this thing, here are some supporting products that you might connect with. There's a board game. Maybe there's a cartoon or a comic or an adventure book or, you know, a desk widget or whatever. A children's book. Maybe. Yeah, a children's book or a novel. And But then these things are all presented at once. They were conceived at the mm-hmm. same time. None of them have this implicit, like, this is the main event. They were all just expressions of these same concepts and ideas. It's something that we're running into with Vindication that's a little frustrating. There's so much that we would like to explore with the world of Vindication, but no matter what we do, it's a tie into the board game. Mm-hmm. And we'll never be able to escape that forever just because we led with the board game. We would rather lead with the world of vindication. There's a book and a board game and a whatever. These are early talks, but this is kind of the way that we're thinking about it and moving into approaching worlds and properties and franchises from the other angle. Well, and you, Mark, or Mark, Tom, I'm looking at Tom, presented this concept to me just in Slack, just in a, a DM, and then went quiet, went on a run, went and like, dug a pole out of his backyard. I don't know what he did, but like... <laughs> These are things I do. <laughs> this is what I imagine because I'm just like, oh, and then there's this and there's this and I'd love for it to be immersive. And I, you know, because part of my thing is like, I hate when it looks like just like just like a cash grab. I want to be like, this is the thing and this is how I would use it in real life. If it's going to be a tangible thing, I want it to feel legit. You know, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went off for a good chunk of time, realized I'd written this wall of text and there was absolute silence and then felt kind of like Tom Tom <laughs> I was just waiting for you to have a good idea oh, <laughs> oh come right. on <laughs> all right in case you're wondering burn cream can be sent to <laughs> <laughs> the conversations that we have are that we need to make products to eat and pay the bills and keep the lights on but we're not a, I don't think we're a product company I think we're a creative company and we're trying to create experiences that touch people and worlds that people can connect with in ways that go beyond the way maybe that we've envisioned them. And so what we do with that then is we make products, right? So in that sense, we are a product company. If I had a nickel for every time you've described us as being a product company, I'd have at least $5. <laughs> I agree with you. I'm just saying. Yeah. Where's a dirty well, look? I know that was. And I, and I think, well, yeah. And I think the context of that is different. So let me give some context to that. So for 20 years, we were a service company and we didn't sell products. We just did services. So now we've moved into a model where we actually sell things instead of services. So from that perspective, we are a product company, but I'm I'm just poking you. Conceptually, I was trying to make a different point. You made it. I'm just being a jerk. (laughs) Last question. If all responsibilities fell away and you're suddenly alone for several weeks and you got to work on a single project, what would you work on? Do I get to go first again? Yes. So I've been trying to actually inspired by Mark as I was talking about feeling a little bit burnt out at the end of last year. You know, he's I think one of his gifts overall is being able to ask you questions that help you find 
what inspires you inside of you, right? And so he asked that question, you know, what what kind of passion project can you focus on right now? What can you do that might light some more of that fire? And so I expressed that what I felt like is my current motto or the thesis statement of Lacey is that I host conversations that matter. If I were to pick a passion project, it would have to be based on that thesis statement of what I believe my current existence to be for. And so the project that I would work on if I had multiple weeks is when my grandma who had Alzheimer's, we lived together for a few years before she died and I recorded tons of content from us. I honestly think that probably most people would not care at all because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because she's got Alzheimer's and I'm talking to her about stuff, but there are like little pieces of gold. And so I would love to create a series called Conversations That Mattered as almost like a first piece of content coming out of this this piece of me that would be compilations from the conversations I had with her before she died. I'm not sure it would matter to many other people at all, but to me, it would fill a part of my soul that I think I've promised that I would create something out of those conversations and haven't been able to visualize what that would actually look like in the material world. Both. Because you don't know how far that's going to go. I was going to say those types of things really inspire people beyond what you think. It'll do something for you, and I think that's great. But sharing it will send it off like an arrow, and you won't know how far it can go. 100%. And the effect that it would have on you is enough. But I think you would be surprised to find how many people that would touch if shared. So that's what I would do. I've got this big bulk of audio and some video content that I think could be packaged down into a couple of seasons worth of a series looking back on that. So that's what I would do. Anybody beat me? No, no one's going to beat you. (laughs) Nobody can beat that. (laughs) No, you you went for the heartstrings. I did. I want to go through and rewrite my thesis, which... No, you're broken. (laughs) I am broken. Didn't you just graduate? I did, but... (laughs) Don't go back to fix (laughs) your thesis. (laughs) Walk away. (laughs) Ungraduate. No, I mean, I'm looking at it. I'm like, you know, I could build that point out better or I failed to connect this whole body of research about it. And it's like, it was good enough to graduate and it exceeded the expectations of the department chair. But it's not where I want it. Can you turn it into a book? I I mean, why couldn't you turn that research and that thought processes into something larger? If I did it into a book, I'd have to rewrite it or I'd be plagiarizing myself. Fine. And then, you know, you there's a whole ethics thing. I have no, I don't know why it's unethical to plagiarize yourself. I think it's a little malarkey. Fine. Just use that as data to support your book. Write a book about how that's nonsense. (laughs) Yeah. Do something. Yeah. Mark, do something. If it makes you feel any better or worse. Last weekend, I went through an old filing cabinet and found that I have like tons and tons and tons of stuff from university, like papers and articles and essays and all these things. And I read a bunch of them and then I threw them all away. (gasps) Did you? Yeah. You were um, ready. You were ready to let them go? Yeah. Well, I was trying to figure out like, what am I ever going to use this for? You know, there's really, okay. You know, I went to school. I wrote all these things. But reading through them, you know, they felt like papers written by a 20-year-old. And obviously that person worked fairly hard on them. But they, what good are they doing to me? Mm-hmm. So I recycled them all and now I store pens in there. <laughs> you know, there was, there was one paper I keep coming back to that I wrote that I still really enjoy. It was for my creative writing nonfiction class. It was entitled Don't Go Barefoot in the Fitting Room. And it was just all of the horror stories of working retail. Oh, I love it. 
the, on the bottom of the paper, my professor wrote, this was to shopping as the movie Jaws was to swimming. Just beautiful. Sounds Just- more interesting than the things I wrote. It's <laughs> <laughs> all about like copyright law and various. Ew. Yeah, various ews. So Tom, how would you answer that question? If you had a few weeks with no work tasks, you know, what, w- what would you focus on? What would you do? Are there not allowed to be work tasks? I mean, it just said things like, it oh, was I guess very that's true. Specific. You don't mm-hmm. I mean, if you got to choose whatever you choose could a do. project to work uh-huh. on, that's tough. Mark and I are talking about a couple games that I'm pretty excited about. I don't know that I would want to run away on that for a couple weeks by myself, though, because then Mark might do the same. And then we come back with totally different things. And it's just more fun to do those together. But I am working on a book, so I'd probably work on that. Maybe you should work on your short story and get it done finally. Oh, well, why work on my short story when I can write an epic fantasy novel? <laughs> no, because actually, you're I, trying to find an agent. I was developing a story and world building concept for a game, and it may still be used in a game with our new fancy world rollout strategy. But what I was finding was that I became so immersed in in this world and this story and these characters that the idea of like, okay, now I need to like make this work in a game felt really restrictive and it felt like it wanted to be pursued as a novel. So I'm just letting that go right now. And I'm, I'll probably at some point then go back and be like, how can I make a game out of this too? Because there's some cool game potential here. But for now, my energy is just all going straight towards making this into a novel. So why get in the way? Sure. That makes sense. All right. What about you? Well, it is books and games, I think, for me. I've had two or three book ideas over the past few years that I've been really excited about, and I haven't been able to prioritize just because our projects have been so demanding. Yeah, there's a couple books that I want to do in the next five years. I think I'm changing the priority of those books, and the one that I think I would work on is a little bit of my career, like the things that I've learned through the lens of creativity and some things I've learned the hard way and kind of just make a little chronicle or a little chapter book that kind of each one talks about a topic that I think we take a, in our culture, we take a lot, whether it's business oriented or creativity oriented or passion oriented, they kind of all meld themselves into your creative life. And I think that would be the focus of that book and reflections on that. And then kind of maybe hopes and dreams and things I've learned from other people and things that you guys have inspired me to do and think differently. And so that book I think is important to me. I haven't really mastered, you know, writing or anything like that. I I think I'm an okay writer. I'm not certainly not like other people's level, like that guy over there looking at Tom, but you could probably level up against his 20 year old self. If you read some of his papers, there you go. (laughs) I would love just to validate you for a second. I would love to read that book. I read a lot of books in the realm of what you're describing and there's a certain sameness to all of them not all of them but most of them Mm. that i feel like you would skirt around i think you have some very valuable perspective to bring to that whole endeavor you should do it also a photo of you wearing a skirt on the cover would be a good idea as you're skirting it's it's just called skirt around yeah We get a lot of attention, just the wrong attention. <laughs> so yeah, I, I want to do that. I do think I have something to offer. And I spent like a full day last week thinking about the first chapter being, am I qualified to write this book? And after I spent a day thinking about that, I'm like, I have to write that book. Even if I'm not, I have to write that book now. I threw the gauntlet down for myself 
then I will plagiarize myself and do those types of things because that's but see, you that's, didn't that's publish I, it. See, as, soon as, as soon as I turned it in, it was plagiarism <clears throat> if I'd turn it into some, somebody else. Yeah, there's I'll, a topic there. I think maybe there's a whole other podcast on that. Mm-hmm. I'll say this. Own what you know. Yeah. Like, go into it with confidence and write with confidence because the things that you know are powerful and you know them and you earned them. And they yeah. came and at you, a cost. And yeah. you are yeah. an authority in the things that you know. When When I read books that start with this whole... And I forget the context, but my wife and I were talking about this recently, too. With qualifications? Well, when when someone starts something out and they're just sort of talking about, like, oh, I'm not very good at this, but here's what I know. It's like, stop. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> take possession of what you know because you earned it and share what you know with the world mm-hmm. and let the world decide how qualified you are to say it or not. But don't second guess yourself. It's different than humility, I think. And sometimes you can just tell a story and what your takeaway was and let other people decide what their takeaway is. Like you don't have yes. to tell them what the truth is. Uh, that's maybe yeah. that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. That's kind of what I've been thinking about. And I think that's one of the things that's held me back from writing it is I don't want people to think I'm telling them how to think or what to do. I kind of have just been a stumbling fool for, you know, the majority of this time is, is what it feels like. But at the end of it, you, you kind of look back and think of all the things you've navigated and think, wow, like, who, what crazy person would try to do that and what crazy person could do that? I really skirted around a lot in my life, didn't I? Wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get that picture out of your head. I can't. No, well, it's, it's important to think commission about like... an illustration. <laughs> I was going to say, it's important to think about like, we all want to believe that our learning, our experience, our wisdom, our trajectory is in this linear path. And most of the time it's a non-linear like expression you go through you're thinking okay i'm supposed to learn at this rate and do things like this but really it's two steps forward one step back it's like a five second sprint and then you fall on your face and then another 10 second sprint and then you fall on your face right Mm -hmm. and you know sometimes you slide back down that hill a bit Mm -hmm. well and the most revealing times are when you're on your face (laughs) i mean that's where the learning is yeah Mm -hmm. i've learned a lot on my face (laughs) i was just gonna say (laughs) i probably have more to offer just because of how much time i've spent on my face i've learned a lot in the silence that comes after sobbing (laughs) (laughs) like where'd everybody go (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty that's that's pretty good all right, so that's enough. Let's <laughs> excellent transition. Whoa. <laughs> I'd stop. Let's move on to our to our overarching topic for today. Um, we posed this question in the Outpost community as well, and so we got a lot of feedback, and so we're going to bring a lot of that into the conversation today too. The overarching topic that we are going to discuss together today is imagination versus creativity. We want to know if they're the same, if they're different, how they overlap, etc. So I'm going to start by reading the dictionary definition of both of the terms, okay? So number one, imagination. The faculty or action of forming new ideas or images or concepts of external objects not present to the senses. So I can't see, taste, smell, hear this in real life. I am creating it in my mind. That's the definition in the dictionary here. I disagree with that, but keep going. Okay, no problem. Merriam-Webster, you're wrong. Well, let's disagree with it. Tell me some of your thoughts. Okay, well, let me prove it wrong for a second. (laughs) Imagine for a moment a cat and the cat is black. Okay, can you do that? Yes. Did you just imagine that? Did you use your imagination to do that? Does that exist in the real world? Is it a new thing, a concept of a black cat? This is saying, imagine it. it. I know this is not a black cat. 
But the second she's I, holding a I, green, what even is that? That it's you're a holding? tangle what, toy. That's, it's a tangle toy. Okay. Um, but imagine, ima- like, <laughs> let's let's say there literally is a black cat in my hand. I cannot imagine the black cat in my hand. The black cat is in my hand. Okay. But to say that, pretend that it's a purple squirrel. Now there is a purple squirrel in my hand. Mm-hmm. You know that is an imagined thing. Right. But if I take something, like I know this cell phone, imagine the cell phone is in your hand. You're still imagining it because it's not physically in your hand. Can you read the definition? Yes. The faculty or action of forming new ideas or images or concepts of external objects not present to the senses. New. Not original, though. They're not saying original. New. That's a good point. That's a weirdly worded thing because I'm not quite sure exactly what they're well, getting at. That with new the part is important. That's what I was hung on is new. Like, because the I concept of a black cat is not new. I agree with really? Mark. Like, I sat down and tried to write my definitions for these things, and I knew vaguely kind of, you know, how they're different in my head. But what I came up with for imagine, imagination, like imagine, image, you're just imaging mm-hmm. something in your mind that isn't present. Imagine you're in a field. Mm hmm. Okay. Right. It's that the field is, it's, isn't new, but you're using your imagination to create it's, a it's picture just of something in your mind. Imagine something in your head. Imagine an apple. Okay. You just did. There mm-hmm. isn't one presently here, so you have to imagine it. Mm-hmm. Imagine a different black couch. Mm-hmm. I tried to come up with all these different sort of things for imagination, but really that's what it came down to is just imaging things in your head. Barry Welling from the Outpost community said, I feel like imagination is the ability to fill in a blank space with something. So I kind of liked that too. Recently, as I've been moving into my new home and inhabiting my space, I've been really enjoying what it's like to look and imagine what the space could be and then fill it in with Mm. things that I find, right? And my daughter has been just giving me so much crap because I will just stand and she's like, what are you doing staring at the corner like you're seeing a ghost? I'm like, listen, it's the ghost of of a couch. (laughs) Work with me. It's the pre-ghost of a couch. (laughs) So I like that, being able to use your imagination to fill in a blank space. I don't Mm -hmm. think that's the only use of imagination, because we just proved that there's other ways for us to use our imagination together. But I think that that's a good one that Barry came up with. Well, obviously we're just like when we're trying to define it, we're neutering it down to its most boring form. Mm-hmm. Like what's great about imagination is you can imagine anything. You're making new connections. Your brain is completely unrestricted, but we're yeah, defining creativity it. is what you apply to it. Well, let's take creativity then. So the definition that I found of creativity is, Actually, the use of imagination or original ideas, especially in the production of an artistic work. So I thought it was interesting that at least in this definition, they actually used the idea of imagination driving creativity. Well, I mean, I think like in the outpost, Jim Priest said imagination is a purple octopus and creativity is putting it into a Mm rom-com. I mean, he had a little bit better, of you know, wording that. And I just kind of wrote down the highlights and ran over here. But I think that that is true, that they do feed each other. In trying to define them without necessarily talking, like, again, with with imagination, I reduced it down to imaging. With creativity, I reduced it down to creating. Mm. So actually making something physical. There, there is a worldly confine to creativity, whereas imagination has absolutely no bounds whatsoever. But in the way that I think about it, creativity has 
some sort of purpose. It's a conscious act. Imagination is often totally unconscious. It's dreaming, daydreaming. Creativity is more of a, I am trying to do a specific thing. More often than not involves imagination and combining different things in new and unique ways. But there's a creation element to it. It could be true that your creativity is limited by your imagination, but I don't think the reverse is true. Mm. I don't think your imagination is limited by what you can do with it. I think, but your creativity very much so could be. What you can envision, what you can image, and how that works and the things that you can conjure are the resources that you use creatively. Mm -hmm. So that's the way I think about it. Is creativity a way to invite people into your imagination? I mean, it could be sort of abstractly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think creativity is like an expression of several things, including your imagination. Mm -hmm. I know there was one point and this is coming into my brain at one point during unsettled. And I haven't gotten to even play the prototype, so I don't know what's in unsettled at this point. But at one point, Tom said, imagine these things now create possible things just figure out what we could do here and I'll see if I can use any of them. And you were like, would you use words other than things? This is so so confusing. Well, okay, but it was, okay, so it was for the crystalline planet and at one point, I mean, I can tell you even right now what I imagine and I imagine these ridges and using things to push, to repel and pull objects through this ridged thing and even right now I can tell you exactly what it looks like for those not viewing me. I am you know, illustrating with my hands how, you know, how I imagine this rolling and I can still picture that. And then it was, okay, now how do I take that really bizarre abstract concept and communicate it in a way that Tom will understand and maybe even use it in a game? Mm -hmm. That's an interesting concept is, I guess in my mind, I was thinking of imagination and creativity and you can't really share it until it's created. But there've been many times where we've mingle imaginations, right? Just like that, where he asked you that question, Mark's asked me similar questions like, imagine you are on this planet. What are you feeling? What kind of actions might you take because of what you're feeling? And you know, we're not creating really anything except conversation at that point. Our imaginations are kind of mingling and overlapping with each other to be able to create something with a bit more depth. I mean, it's almost like brains. You have these neurons and each neuron is a different thing, but they shoot to the next one and mm-hmm. they get the other one to do something, you know? So it's that whole pathway that you end up creating. You know, neuron A and neuron Z might have completely different thoughts, but mm-hmm. they help get through the same point. Mm-hmm. Richard from Mind Clash. Mm -hmm. said creativity is the ability to transfer your visions powered by your imagination into real life i think both can live without the other as you can be creative by working on someone else's vision which was interesting Mm -hmm. and you can be unable to act upon your own imagination Ooh, Mm -hmm. i have lots of times been unable to act upon my own imagination i can relate very well with that The other concept of imagination not coming into creativity because you're executing on someone else's vision, I actually think that your imagination still has to imagine it first. What comes from their imagination is then transferred into your imagination and then out through creativity. I mean, whatever comes out of you is still being imaged in your own head first. Uh Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Because whatever you're envisioning when you're explaining something to me Mm -hmm. is going to be different in my head when I bring it out Mm -hmm. 
That is interesting. So let's talk about intent for a second. Okay. And there's a broad discussion here that we can have about art that maybe needs to happen in a different episode about what people bring to what they see and creativity for expression and creativity with the intent to, for example, with Orange Nebula, our intent is to inspire people to think bigger and unlock their own creativity. Or maybe the intent is for someone to feel a certain way or to adopt a new perspective that maybe they hadn't before and open their eyes to different viewpoints. But some creation is just an expression. And and so it's base form like art, like visual art, for example, you're going to see that through the lens that you approach it with, right? And so it means something different to you than it does to me. And the artist is aware of that. And their intent, in many cases, doesn't matter. Whereas like with a board game, our intent is for people to have a certain experience and it does matter. I think that's interesting, the intent that you have with your creative pursuit. What triggered that thought was you asked a question early on when we were talking about this topic, do you have an obligation to share your creativity? Mm -hmm. Which I think is interesting in and of itself. I think as soon as you bring up intent, I almost feel like there is the importance to bring up regard. If you are creating something and your intent is to elevate somebody's thoughts or to help them accomplish this, I feel like there's you should be compelled to also regard them in a way that allows them to do that because you could have the best of intentions and really just mow somebody down. But if you regard them highly, then you know there's you're going to end up not hurting them because of that regard. And I almost feel like even in imagination, there still has to have that intent regard balance. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's often a weird tangent. Not to me, but go ahead. Well, one thing that the idea of intent brings up that I didn't even think of as we were preparing for this conversation is, you know, we're talking about imagination and creativity and how they overlap, but we're not really talking about the driving force behind both of them, which perhaps could be considered inspiration, right? Because you have to be inspired by something to start imagining it before you create it, right? Like there is this sense of intent that drives Mm -hmm. intentional imagination, at least when you are trying to create something. It's very similar to the sacred concept that we talk about that basically is, you know, your thesis for whatever it is that you're choosing to create. I mean, my intent in staring at the corner in my house is, you know, I need to get my house set up to uh, have a certain feeling. And so I've got this empty space and I'm using my intent to drive how and what I'm imagining and then how and what is created after that. So intent or inspiration as kind of a missing piece in this conversation is an interesting interjection. It is interesting. Two things. So just kind of bouncing off what Teresa was saying, the awareness of how the audience might respond is an important discussion. I'm not sure we can control how the audience responds, right? Our intent can be good. Our intent can be evil. Our our intent can be any number of things. I created this thing to destroy people, right? Uh, My intent in creating this thing was so that people will feel wonderful about themselves. I was listening to a masterclass to the very famous artist, Jeff Koons, and he was talking about a large installation for a piece that he had done that was, you know, 12 feet tall or whatever, very heavy. And it was a a replica of a much smaller piece that had some type of a velvet thing on the bottom of the piece. 
and he was talking with the people who were helping him create this big giant heavy stainless steel piece and it didn't have that velvet thing on the bottom and they were saying well this is an installation nobody's ever going to see that and he said well what about the people installing it they're going to think that we didn't care about them and that is an example of how Mm. i would see regard Mm. i don't however think that there is an obligation for the artist to have the same level of regard for people here's why i would push back on that so there's youtube creators that i have been fans of theirs for years and they created this one piece i'm not even going to like say exactly who they are what the piece was because there's a lot of controversy around it the piece was great it was hysterical i loved it but then within a couple of years political climate changed and they recognized that this one piece that was their big catapult and claim to fame was being shifted in how it was being perceived. And suddenly they were fueling racism with just this existing, Mm. that the wrong crowd was gravitating toward it. And they made the conscious decision to erase it from the internet. And I mean, they were probably pulling in lots of ad spend because they were still getting millions of views on this one video every year. And they made the conscious decision to do that. And then as creators, they stopped and walked away from the project for at least a year to really identify what they did to attract that level of attention to that one piece. Interesting. The fact that they put so much intentionality around it and realized their contributing to a negative situation. It was very interesting to hear them speak about it after everything and understanding why they walked away from a a very successful business venture. I feel like there's a whole nother episode to be mined from that stuff. Yeah, I agree. Talking about intent and reading through what some of the people said in the outpost group, most of people's definitions are just their musings on imagination versus creativity creativity seems to be where people find in their own lives that intent lives more. Someone said that creativity is like your problem solving at work. Whereas imagination, you know, while it can be used towards problem solving, imagination doesn't usually have an intentional goal, whereas creativity does. And most people's opinions tended to be somewhere in those sort of buckets, more or less, where imagination was looser and a little more ethereal and unbuttoned or, you know, unlocked down when creativity was more of an intentional act with a goal. Yeah, let me read a couple more of these that I think hit on exactly what you're saying. Justin Gibbons said, imagination is envisioning the what ifs becoming reality. Creativity is giving form and life to imagination. Adam Teese also said, to me, creativity is a practice, something Mm -hmm. that can be cultivated and harnessed to do work, just like you're saying. It's a muscle that can be built up. It seems like we're coming to a pretty common agreement that imagination is boundless and happens, you know, in your mind and creativity is taking that imagination and doing something with it, making something. Right. Though I feel like there are exceptions to all of this. I have had intentional imagination. You know, I'm going to sit here with the goal Mm. of just imagining or vice versa Mm -hmm. where, you know, I'm going to have sort of directionless creative time where I'm just making things and I don't really necessarily know what the end game is. I'm not solving a specific problem, but I am working on just putting pieces together and seeing what I can make with them. But there's more of a 
wide open, open-ended nature to it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that these other things don't hold water. There's just I've been trying to think if there are any examples I can think of of creativity without imagination. And the closest I can come is sometimes during like my quiet, peaceful, meditative time at nighttime, I will do something where I try to draw, but like without coming up with what I'm trying to draw first. Like I'll just kind of start drawing lines and then I'll start seeing connections and I might create shapes out of those lines simply as a meditative practice, which I think I'm not using my imagination because I'm actually trying not to Mm. like, I'm trying not to plan ahead of time what it is that I'm going to be drawing so that I can create out of just what I'm doing. But that's the only example that I can think of. That's really close. The the moment when you see connections though, starts to feel vaguely. I agree. That, so that reminds me of a game I used to play on car or on road trips, car trips where I would draw something with my sister, but we could only draw one inch at a time. And we had to piggyback. You Mm. had to compete. You Mm -hmm. had to go with somebody else's drawing. You couldn't just do your own in the corner. And you'd be impressed by what you had by the end of the trip, you Mm -hmm. know, because you only have a single inch. And so you can curve it. You can do all this kind of swiggles, but you only get that much. And so that's much more creativity without having, because my imagination is not going to match what my sister did. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Vice versa is a little easier. Like if I'm reading a book, I'm imagining what's being described to me in the book. You know, I am picturing the scene as it's being described. You would picture a different scene. Yes. Even though same words. Same words. words. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that that's a creative act, though. I think it's an imaginative act. Mm -hmm. But the only creativity that comes in, perhaps, is when you and I are discussing it together because we have to pick the words. Mm. And mm-hmm. even just picking those words and having that conversation is an act of creativity right. as it's, well. It's bounding it in something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite descriptions comes from Marcel. Imagination. And the maybe goo. It was, was it was it his, his, his child? Yeah. Okay. Imagination equals input goo. Creativity equals output goo. <laughs> I had that written on mine too. I love it so much. I, know. <laughs> I feel like that's pretty true. You know, when you can get that basic and use mm-hmm. only a few words that are fairly visual in nature, input goo and output goo. Children tend to see things pretty clearly. Yeah. And also in forms of goo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the couple other things that were shared that I want to make sure that we cover is Leslie Stevens wrote, imagination is what happens in my head. Creativity is what I do with that. So again, that's another kind of affirmation of the main theme I think we're coming to. I mean, and we've already kind of debunked that this isn't how it always is, but Michael Morris, it's this thing about them as an Ouroboros, you know, the snake eating its own tail. Mm -hmm. And I easily see how they do, you know, feed each other and they are very cyclical, even though we've discussed how they can be separated. And I definitely think, are we in agreement that it's easier to separate imagination uh, from creativity than it is creativity from imagination? I think so. I mean, it's hard to create something without imaging it in your head first. Mm -hmm. But you can imagine without creating. Though I freely admit that before we talked about this as a topic, the two were pretty conflated in my head. Mm -hmm. They're very similar. I don't know that they're not. I mean, a snake eating its own tail is... Until you sit down to write out definitions of them, just that's not a bad image, I don't mm-hmm. think. Um, okay, let's kind of close up. I want to ask if 
any of you think that you would score yourselves as more imaginative or more creative? Are you better at using your imagination or are you better at using your creativity? Mark, do you have a thought on that? I don't know how I would score myself. I would say that I spend a lot of time in both. And part of my personal goal, and Tom can attest to this, is I'm constantly trying to think of new ways to do things that other people haven't already done them. Businesses who innovate, businesses who adapt well, tend to be strong leaders. And I think that's kind of what we have in our sights for part of our goals. It goes back to what I said earlier. I think your creativity is limited to your imagination. And if you can't envision it, then you won't be able to do it. So I do spend a lot of time imagining. And there is a filter in place in my head where maybe 80% of what I imagine, I don't want to waste the time creating something. I just want to envision and weigh and then move to the next thing. You know, one of the things I appreciate about Tom is in particular, all of you, but Tom in particular is when we're talking about game design or storytelling or world building, Tom also does not like limits at all. He wants bizarre, strange, wondrous, different things that still kind of come back with the intent to remind people how amazing they are. And that's kind of our MO, right? Like as Orange Nebula, that's kind of what we're trying to do is remind people of the wondrous things that we're capable of and the things that we haven't yet done are going to thrill us at some point if we imagine them and then create them. So I spend a lot of time in both of those categories. I would say that I almost feel like the creativity is dead without the the imagination. And so your ability to envision things and weigh them to see if they're going to be worth the effort and the time to bring into the world. There's a lot of intellectual process there that can be very addictive. And so I spend a lot of time doing that. That can turn into daydreaming, right? Which doesn't have a yield, which is actually kind of a waste of time. And it could also turn into the most powerful research that you could possibly do for the things that actually make the biggest impact in the world. I don't know how to, I don't know how to weigh. I just, that's, that's why I'm spending almost every second of my waking time is in one of those categories. Maybe we just got it. But before the rest of us go, I'm curious, you were quiet the last couple of minutes. Do you have some maybe like unfinished thoughts that you were working on? I feel like you were working on something. I was, I don't, I don't know. It's probably not important at this point. I think this topic is close to home for me imagination and creativity again like i just said are where we spend a lot of our time here all of us and there's different aspects of business that we have to do and i regard those as fairly banal very fairly boring and like i try to get out of those as quick as i can you know legal and counting and all that stuff so that we get the joy of creating and making stuff that matters to people stuff that impacts them, stuff that inspires them. I mean, that's where my passion is, right? And other people are passionate about other things and they're just as important. Or the train of thought that I was probably on is probably curtailed back to something. Wandered off somewhere without you. (laughs) See, I would like to think that for me, I think that I am a bit unbalanced on the creativity side versus imagination. I don't think that I do a good job safeguarding time to explore my imagination. Because as somebody who's kind of fueled by pleasing others, 
I get these quick hits based off somebody telling me their idea and then I can create something about it. And that's what I do in my job all day long. People tell me their ideas, I can create something about it, create something and I get feedback, feedback, feedback. But what it does is it leaves me with very little time and energy to actually explore myself and what kind of things I might want to create. And so there's some imbalance in that too, which is fine. I mean, it's fine for your job to be creating based off of other ideas, but I think it may end up leaving me feeling unfulfilled if I do not bring some balance to that behavior over time. Cultivating imagination is a really interesting conversation. Yeah. Because it's one of those things that I think a lot of people think, oh, I, you know, what an imaginative person, you know, they were obviously born that way. And I don't believe that that's true. I very much had seasons of life where my imagination, it wasn't gone, but it was definitely underutilized and just kind of sitting there. Mm -hmm. And I think that sort of thing is kind of a muscle. I read something at some point, I don't remember where, but it was an exercise for cultivating your imagination. And it was about the ability to image things in your, in your mind. And I think it was something along the lines of like once a day, stare at something on your desk, like that little Godzilla figure or wh whatever. I just happen to like staring at Godzilla figures. <laughs> um, but stare at something for 30 seconds and then close your eyes and picture it with as much detail as you possibly can. And just like set yourself a little alarm to do that once a day. It just kind of starts training your mind to picture things that aren't right in front of your eyes, you know, when, and, and it's just a little exercise to kind of get your imagination muscle going and not like imagine strange new worlds and flowers that eat people and all that, you know, like just, just work on your mind's capacity to picture things and now, the rest will follow. One thing that I want to challenge and push a little further, I haven't done this very often, only a few times as a meditative practice, but can you bring other senses into that? Oh, I'm sure. So, you know, I've done before the idea of trying to imagine my grandparents' basement. Like I spent a bunch of time down there as a child and I one time ended up in staying in a house that looked very similar and had a similar floor plan. And so I did kind of a meditation that night, like, how much detail can I imagine about being in that space mm. that I was in? What did it smell like? What sounds did I hear? So bringing some of those other senses into that same practice. There might be something to be said for just smelling something and closing your eyes yes. and thinking, what in the world do I now imagine? Mm -hmm. Well, and I think we do that all the time when we're cooking, right? Mm. You know, it's like, oh, should I add some of blank? Like I was talking to a friend of mine, Swedish, and she goes, yeah, Swedish tacos. And I was like, not a thing. And she goes, no, we add grapes. And I went, not a thing. <laughs> Rejected. Yeah. But I mean, because I stopped and I put it, the grapes in my taco, in my mouth, in my head and went, no. <laughs> I'll have to try that. I think this is a very potent topic that, again, I think we could go on forever. I think the, the time that you spend in your head imagining things, you could spend a day imagining how much people hate you and mm. how embarrassing you are and how worthless you are. Or you can spend time thinking about what a superhero you're going to be if you were more giving and more generous and or maybe that you already are those things. So there is a discipline involved when you cultivate imagination that will take you closer to your passion there is a recklessness that you can have of not being cognizant of 
your thoughts and your feelings about things because your emotions are very directly tied. And it goes back to the thing that you were saying. I think one of the things for me that's been true is the best work and the best concepts come from that place where you are most inspired, where you are listening to the most inspirational music or you are feeling your best or you are envisioning something that you desire, like something positive, that space is going to lend itself to your creativity more so than negative thoughts. I don't think I even have to go further into that, but that's an important thing when you talk about, are they related to your other senses? I think Mm -hmm. they absolutely are. You can envision tragedies that have happened in your life and dwell on those and bring yourself to tears and bring yourself to not wanting to eat. And those things aren't necessarily healthy. Teresa, do you feel like you have a strong suit imagination versus creativity? Imagination, hands down, really? 100%. Mm-hmm. Like before this started, I mentioned the show or the te- the movie that I'd, I'd seen now a while ago called Timmy Failure. I think it's Timmy Failure Mistakes Were Made and it's on Disney Plus and it is incredible. It's this little boy and he just has this incredible imagination and you see him throughout his whole day and he's just this little Dennis the Menace and he's just trying to solve a, a riddle and do all this stuff and he has this imaginated polar bear that follows him around and his companion. And I'm just like, yeah, that is what my imagination looks like while really? I'm at work. You don't see the polar bear in the corner, but yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's there stalking you the whole time. Right, It's my emotional support <laughs> polar bear and he comes to work and there you go. I think one thing that we haven't mentioned that we probably should about cultivating imagination is you have to leave room for it. There's not a lot of room for your imagination if you're currently intaking someone else's creativity. Mm. Like turn off the TV, turn off the internet and your phone. And like sometimes your imagination can scream around those things, but that's a lot of extra work. Mark's skirts around. Yeah. Yeah. You can get skirty. <laughs> get skirty. Name of the, that's, that's the title of this, this podcast. <laughs> All right. Thank you all for being a part of this conversation. I love getting to muse over things that really don't matter at all, but also matter everything, (laughs) right? It's really nice to be able to have this opportunity with the three of you. Um, I'm grateful to anybody else who is listening with us. If you felt like this content really resonated with you or you know somebody else who might resonate well with this content, we would love for you to share it with them. If you're looking for ways to support us, you can like, you can comment, you can subscribe to the podcast. And always we'd be inviting people into the Outpost podcast where we spend a lot of our time and get to engage on a more personal level. We always put questions in there before we run the podcast. So any questions that you might have and could add to the conversation, we'd love to be able to get those totally. from you there yeah that's the facebook group that's the facebook group is that what did i not say that i probably I mean, didn't say that it was heavily implied but no it wasn't directly <laughs> mentioned all right well thank you all so much for your time and um thank you for listening and we will talk to you soon bye, bye. Goodbye. <laughs>